All right, we're there in Matthew chapter number five, and we have been going through a series on Sunday mornings called Peculiar People, and we've been learning about how God desires for us to be peculiar, to be different, separated. And we've been going through the series since the beginning of the year, and uh, this is the last Sunday in the series. And if you remember, we started with the idea of separation, learning about the theology of separation and how God desires for us to be uh, in the world, but not of the world. He desires for us to live a separated life. He wants us to be a peculiar people unto himself. We spent the last several weeks hitting some specific areas in regards to uh, being peculiar. If you've been with us over the last four weeks, five weeks, uh, we've, we've hit some areas that are not uh, exactly uh, the, the most easy if you've never learned it or understood it or heard it before, and in some ways it could be a little controversial. We've talked about what the Bible teaches about clothing and how God desires for us to be peculiar in our clothing. We've learned about our relationships and uh, friendships and marriage and things like that. We talked about music and what the Bible teaches about music, how we ought to be peculiar in our music. Last week, we talked about drugs and alcohol and what the Bible teaches about that and what our attitude should be towards that in regards uh, to, to Christianity. And if you missed any of those, I'd encourage you to check those out on our website. We've got them as MP3 files or on our YouTube. You can watch uh, the videos of those sermons. But today, as we finish up the Peculiar People series, I want to speak to you about the subject of being peculiar in our entertainment, being peculiar in our entertainment. And really what I'm talking about is media and entertainment. And I want to just kind of give you some definitions as we begin uh, this sermon. What do we mean? What do I mean when I speak about media or entertainment? Well, here's a definition for media. Media is the main means of mass communication, talking about broadcasting, publishing, and the internet regarded collectively. When we're talking about the media, we're talking about the world's mass communication or how the world desires to communicate to you. When we're talking about entertainment, here's a definition, being provided with amusement or enjoyment. And what we're talking about is when the world provides amusement and enjoyment for you. Now, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, but we need to make sure that we are peculiar and that we are uh, bringing honor to the Lord in our entertainment. There's nothing wrong with media. We use media. We use social media uh, as a church to get the gospel out, to get uh, Bible preaching out, but we need to be careful when it comes to media. And I want to give you this morning uh, just some areas, uh, specifically three areas to guard against in regards to media and entertainment. When it comes to living a separated life as a Christian, how do we make sure that we are peculiar that we are a peculiar treasure, a peculiar people unto the Lord in regards to media and entertainment. I'd love for you to write these statements down on the back of your course of the week. You've got a place to write down some notes if you don't have a notebook or something with you. And of course, if you've got a baby sitting on your lap, I understand. But I'd love for you to just kind of jot these things down. And let's begin with this. And here, and here are the, here are the several, the, I'm going to give you three areas that we must guard against when it comes to media and entertainment. Then I want to give you some applications in each one of those parts. Number one, let's talk about guarding against lustful images. Guarding against lustful images. When we're talking about media and entertainment, we need to understand that as Christians and as those of us that are going to live peculiar lives, we have to learn to guard against the lustful images 
of this world. Now, this is going to primarily be applicable to men. It's not just for men. Women have to apply this to their lives as well. But because of the way that men are wired, we are the ones that seem to be tempted and struggle in this area, mostly when it comes to lustful images. And look, when it comes to the world's entertainment and the world's media, you have to be like an ostrich with your head in the, in the sand to not understand that we are constantly being bombarded with every TV commercial, if you have a television, with every you know, movie, every show, every billboard, every ad, we're being bombarded with just lustful image after lustful image after lustful image. And maybe you've never been to a church that actually teaches and preaches the Bible. This might come as news to you, but in the Bible, it's actually, the Bible teaches that it's a sin to look upon a woman to lust after her that you're not married to. Are you there in Matthew chapter 5? Notice what the Bible says. And it's interesting, I want to start in Matthew because often when you preach these types of sermons, people will accuse you and say, oh, you're some sort of a legalist. You're trying to bring us back under the law. Well, if you notice, in Matthew chapter 5, we are in the midst of one of the most famous sermons of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got a red letter edition Bible, these verses are going to be in red. These are words that our Savior uh, spoke and he preached. And here's what he said, Matthew 5, verse 27. He says this, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now here's what the world teaches. The world teaches, well, there's nothing wrong with looking, You know, if you're a married man, there's nothing wrong with looking as long as you don't actually go and commit physical adultery. You know, you're not hurting anybody by looking. But this is not what the Lord Jesus Christ taught. He said, look, this." he said, you have heard that it had been said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, but I say unto you. He's like, that's the world standard, but now let me give you my standard. This is what Jesus said. That's what the world says, but let me tell you how to be a peculiar people unto me. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her. Now let me give you some application here. And if you're a man this morning, you need to pay attention. If you're raising boys this morning, you need to pay attention. These are some things that we need to uh, uh, get in our lives if we're going to be peculiar people. I want you to notice that the attack comes through the eyes. He says that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her. Now keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to come right back to it. But go with me to the Old Testament book of Job. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. And right before Psalms, you have the book of Job. Job chapter 31. And verse 1, you say, well, how do we guard against lustful images? Well, number one, you must make a commitment to guard your eyes. You have to decide, men, you have to make a commitment that you are going to guard your eyes against lustful images. Notice what Job said in Job 31 and verse 1. He says this, I made a covenant. You see that word covenant there? The word covenant means I have made a promise. I have entered into a contract. I have made an agreement. I want you to notice what Job Job says. I made a covenant with mine eyes. He said, I sat down, and obviously he, he's speaking uh, figuratively here, but he's saying, I, I sat down at a table with my eyes, and I handed a contract to my eyes, and I said, here's what you're allowed to do. Here's what you're not allowed to do. Here's what we're going to agree to. Here's what we're going to commit to. Here's what we're going to promise to. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a mate? What is it that Job did to guard himself against his eyes, uh, against the lustful images of even his words? 
world. I mean, he didn't have to deal with Facebook. He didn't have to deal with YouTube. He didn't, I don't know how many billboards there were down the road while Job was living, but look, there's no new thing under the sun. People have been struggling with this, and men have been struggling with this since the beginning of mankind. And Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. He said, I've made a commitment to guard my eyes. You're there in Job. Flip over to Psalms. Uh, Psalm 101. Notice what Psalm 101.3 says. Psalm 101.3. And we're going to go back to Matthew in a second. We're going to go back to Job. I want you to be able to get to those quickly. But go to Psalm 101.3. Notice what the psalmist said. And we're going to come back to Psalm 101.2 and look at the entire chapter in its context. But I just want you to notice verse 1. Notice the commitment from the psalmist. He says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. See, when Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes, why then should I think upon a mate? What he, said, what he was saying was that I've made an agreement, I've entered into a contract, I've entered into a commitment with my knife that I'm not going to set any wicked thing before my knife. I'm going to make sure that there's nothing placed before my eyes. I'm going to guard my eyes against lustful teaching. And listen to me, if you are raising boys this morning, if you've got young men in your home, you've got boys in your home, maybe they're not even teenagers yet, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're uh, younger than that, I, you, I, I want you to understand this, and, and we need to get this as parents, we must teach our children, and specifically our young men and our boys, to develop the habit of looking away towards uh, lustful images. Look, mom and dad... You need to teach your kids, and especially your boys, when you're driving down the road and there's a billboard with some woman that's dressed immodestly, you need to teach them to develop the habit of just looking away, bouncing their eyes away, developing the habit. And listen, there is probably nothing you could do to help the future marriage of your young boys and, and, and your young men that you're raising than to teach them when they're 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and those desires have not really developed yet in them. They've not gotten to that age where those things are really a temptation. If you can teach them when there's not even a struggle there and a fight there uh, against those things, if you can teach them to develop the habit of looking away, looking away, oh, she's dressed immodestly, look away, oh, she's not dressed right, look away, uh, we're in the checkout aisle and there's magazines look away, there's a billboard, look away. If you can develop a habit in your boys when they're not even struggling with that, to just look away, look away, look away. Guard your eyes, make a covenant with your eyes. Why then should I think upon a mate? That will help them so much when they're 13 and 14 and 23 and 27 and for the rest of their life when those temptations are now there in their heart, in the flesh, desires those things to develop the habit of just looking away. You say, how can, we, how can we guard against lustful images? Well, we need to make a covenant with our eyes, men. And let me just say this. If you're a man here this morning and you say, well, I didn't grow up that way. I grew up like most males grew up, and I'm using the word male on purpose, where I just look at whatever. I just allow my eyes to wander and I just, whatever, whatever makes me feel good and whatever is attractive to me, I just look at it, I just stare, well, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not committing adultery, it's no big deal, right? Wrong. We need to decide, and you say, well, I didn't grow up that way. It would have been nice if, as a seven-year-old, I had a mom who taught me, hey, look away, son, don't look at that, develop the habit. But let me tell you something, that is no excuse. When you are a grown man, you say, I've not grown, I've not grown up that way, you need to make a covenant and a contract and, a, and an agreement with yourself and with your eyes that you will develop the habit of looking away. 
that you're not going to allow your eyes to just feast on whatever, roam on whatever, look at whatever. You need to decide. You say, yeah, let's teach our kids that. Yeah, but you know what, Dad? You set the example. You know what, husband? You set the example, and you make sure that you, and you say, well, I didn't grow up that way. I've already developed bad habits. Then you need to man up. See, you've lived as a male your whole life. Now we need to learn to live as men. Now it's time to quit you like men. Now it's time to play the part of a man. You say, I've, I've lived like a male. But look, there's a difference between being a male and being a man. A male can impregnate a, a woman. A man will raise that child. A, a, a male will sleep around and just do... Look, a male that has no standards, that has no character, that has no discipline, is going to act no different than a male dog. But a man will say, I've made a covenant with my eyes. A man will decide they're going to wage war on the habits that have been developed over years and say, you know what? And listen, there is nothing more dangerous to the destruction of your marriage and the respect of your children than allowing your eyes to take in whatever they want. Every, every physical adultery began as an adultery of the heart. Every sinful, you know, prostitute or whatever began as a thought and a, uh, was allowed to be a desire that was developed through the heart. You say, well, how do we guard against the lustful images of this world? You need to, number one, decide. You need to just decide. I will set no wicked things before mine eyes. I will make a covenant. I will teach my children, and especially my boys, to look away and to develop the habit. We don't look at that. We don't look at that. We don't go there. We don't see that. She's not dressed right. We, we don't look that way. And then as a man, you say, I've never developed that. Well, then you got to start working on that right now. You need to tell your eyes and commit with your eyes and say, hey, I'm not going to work to look to the right or to the left. I'm going to keep my eyes safe, and I will make a covenant with my eyes. But look, it's more than that. How how do we guard against lustful images? Well, number one, we must make a commitment with our eyes. But number two, and and keep your place there in in Job or Psalms. We're going to come right back to it. But go back to Matthew chapter 5. Let me say this. You must make a commitment to your wife. You say, well, pastor, that's easy for you to say you're married. I'm a young man. I'm single. Okay, then make a commitment to your future wife. You must not only make a commitment with your eyes, but you must make a commitment to your wife. Because here's the... Truth of the matter, that a problem with lust is a problem of the heart. Notice what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 27. Ye have heard that it hath been said of old time, said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after hath committed adultery with her already, don't miss these words, in his heart. Well, I'm not, I'm not physically committing adultery. Yeah, but you have already in your heart. He says, if you look on a woman to lust after, you've committed adultery with her already in his heart. Go back to Job 31. Notice what Job said. Job 31 in verse 1. Job 31.1, he said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. You say, is it all about the eyes? No. Notice what he says. Why then should I think? He's talking about his mind, his heart. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. I'm going to protect my eyes so that my heart so that my mind will be protected. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You're there in Job 31. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. It's right after Psalms. You have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. And look at verse number 24. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 24. See, a problem with the eyes is really a problem with the heart. A problem with the mind. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 24 says this, 
to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Verse 25, lust not after her beauty. Here we're talking about the strange woman. And God is telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost here, uh, Solomon is writing, he says, lust not after her beauty. Notice what he says, not with your eyes. He says, in thine heart. Now, how do you lust after her beauty? With your eyes. But what's the problem? It's your heart. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thy eyelids. You say, well, why would he say lust not after her beauty in thine heart? Because a lust problem, an eye problem, is a heart problem. That's why Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. That's why Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a mate? Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Towards the end of the New Testament, you start at the book of Revelation and head backwards. You've got uh, Jude and 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John and 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 14. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 14. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Peter 2.14 says this. Having eyes, notice what it says having eyes full of adultery. You say, oh, well, I'm not committing adultery on my wife. Yeah, but your eyes are full of adultery. Well, I'm not, com- I'm not physically going on. Yeah, but in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Your eyes and your mind and your heart. And here's the problem. Here's what it comes down to, men. You must make a commitment to guard your eyes. But before you even make a commitment to guard your eyes, you have to make a commitment to your wife and your heart. You have to decide that when you make it, you say, well, I'm single. Okay, make a commitment to your future wife, the one you're going to marry. If you're not married, the one you will, Lord willing, one day stand at an altar before a man of God and, and, and God Almighty, God Himself, and say that you're going to uh, love and cherish, to have and to hold, that you will give yourself fully and completely. Listen to me. You must make a commitment to your wife. Why? Because looking at a woman to lust after her is adultery. It's disloyalty. It's being unfaithful. It's being not faithful. And look, guys. I mean, just, just let's be real here for a minute. If you found out that your wife spent her days daydreaming about the neighbor guy, if you found out that your wife, and some of your wives are foolish enough to actually have these words come out of their mouths. If you found, if your wife was going around saying, well, if you had a job like brother so-and-so did, well, if you were nice to me like, like uh, my brother-in-law over there, well, if you, you know, that husband, he's nice to his wife, you're a jerk. That, that husband, he spends time with his kids, you're, you're selfish. That, look, look, look at the cars they drive, and we're driving in this junkie. Look, look at where they live, and look at their house, and we're living on this side of town, and they're living on that side of town. And look, you know, guys, that when you, when you are the most hurt, when you are made to feel inadequate, when you are humiliated, when you are condescended to, when your wife... And if you found out that your wife just spent her days thinking, well, he's, he's so nice, and he's so great, and I, and I look at their little pictures on Facebook, and it looks like he spent so much time with his wife, and, she, and he spent so much time with his kids, and, and he's got a nice job, and, and I'm married to this loser. I'm married to this piece of trash. I'm married to... And you, you say, would that hurt you? Yeah, well, you know what? When you look on a woman to lust after, that's what you're doing to your wife. She shouldn't talk down to me. Well, look, if you want to be worthy of a reverence, maybe you need to man up. 
My wife doesn't respect me. Well, is there, are you giving her something to respect? And, and wives, let me say this. You want to be worthy of his love? Don't talk, don't talk down to your husband. Don't reverence him. Respect him. Love him. You say, well, there's not much there to love. Okay, but you know what? what you just do what God has called you to do. And, and you husbands, you do what God has called you to do. And you know, here's what I believe. When, when you take care of yourself and you decide, I'm, I'm going to love, I'm going to walk worthy. I'm going to walk worthy of her reverence. You say, well, you don't know my wife. She's that, she's that angry woman in a white house. You know, she's just constantly just, just picking at me and negative and critical and criticism. You know what? You just sit there and you say, I will walk worthy of this woman because I committed to her. And, and by the way, wives... You sit there and you say, I'm going to reverence him. I'm going to submit to him. Whether he deserves it or not, why? Because you're, you are to do it as unto the Lord. Well, he doesn't deserve it. Okay, but does Jesus deserve it? Well, she doesn't deserve it. Okay, but does your Lord deserve it? See, the problem, the problem with a lust issue in the eyes is really a problem in the heart because it's, just, it's a decision that has not been made in the heart of a man that says, this is my wife, and I will be loyal to her physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in every area of my life, she will be the... the, I like how it was said in Ezekiel, about Ezekiel's wife. She will be the desire of mine eyes. And there will be no one else. And there will be nothing else. You say, well, how do you you guard against lustful images? Well, number one, you must make a covenant with your eyes. Number two, you must make a commitment to your wife or your future wife in your heart. You must decide that I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be someone of character. I'm not going to have eyes full of adultery. But number three, go, go to Romans chapter 13. If you go towards the beginning of the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And let me just say this to you young guys. You're struggling with pornography? You need, to get, you need to get victory over that like yesterday. And you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. You need help, get help. Don't carry that into marriage. You, you will wish you were single for the rest of your life than to bring that type of hurt into a marriage. You, you, this applies to young men Old men, married men, not married men, any man, you need to just learn to guard your eyes. You need to make a covenant with your eyes. You need to learn to develop the habit to look away. You need to learn to develop the habit. And look, I, I get it. It gets difficult. I mean, my wife and I, have been, we've been out in situations or, you know, we're, we're, we're having a meal. With, 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 there'll be a group of people there and there's some, some lady decided to come dressed all in modest. I get it. It's difficult to have dinner like this. I get it. You say, well, that's awkward. Well, make them feel awkward. They should feel awkward. I, I, I get it, but you know what? You say, well, well, I can't help how they dress. That's right. You can't help how they dress, but you can help what you do with your eyes. You can help how you guard your eyes. You can help how you control your eyes. I made a covenant with my eyes. You must make a commitment to guard your eyes. You must make a commitment to your wife. You must decide that your wife will be the desire of your eyes and that she will be the only gratification you get in this world. Number three, you must guard your exposure. Are you there in Proverbs 13? Look at verse 14. Proverbs 13 and verse 14. Proverbs 13 and verse 14 says this. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about walking in the Spirit. We're going to get to that in our Holy Spirit series. 
Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, notice, and make no provision for the flesh. The word provision means to make an opportunity or to provide for, to provide for the means of. It says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You say, well, what, how, what do I do? Look, you guard against the exposure and you guard against the temptations. You do what you can to make sure that you're not making provision. You're not making opportunity. You're not providing for the means of the lust of fulfilling of the lust of your flesh. What does this mean? This means you, you put some sort of accountability software on your phone. This means you put, you put some sort of accountability software on your laptop and your computer. And look, if this is something you struggle with, listen, guys, you don't need internet on your phone. You, you, don't, need, you don't need a smartphone. Go get you a dumb phone if it's something you struggle with. And I'm not, saying you, there's, I'm not saying nothing wrong with having a smartphone. But look, you need to guard yourself and make sure you've got some sort of filtering accountability protection on these types of devices. Why? Because you don't want to make provision for the flesh. How about guarding against the TV? Now, look, the best way to guard against the TV is to pick that thing up and throw it out the trash, throw it in the trash can. You say, well, how, how are we going to watch the documentary? We'll, we'll figure out a way to get you to watch the documentary. Don't worry about that. But, but you, you know, make sure you're not providing, you're making provision for the flesh. Listen to me. I'm just trying to help you out. I'm not trying to pick on you. A TV in your kids' rooms, they have access to it. They can watch whatever they want, and nobody's, nobody's there to, to make sure that they're keeping that. Look, they're kids. They're teenagers. Giving a teenage boy a device that has access to every wicked image you can think of. Mom, you are setting your kids up for failure. Do your future son-in-law a favor and help guard those boys. This is why, look, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm not trying to hurt you. We, we have 189 people here in church this morning. And since, since the announcements, more people showed up. Praise the Lord for it. You know, but look, we're, we're running out of space. You say, why do you preach like this? We're running out of space. We, we need some of you to get offended and go. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to go get another building. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not trying to offend you, but listen, listen. This, this is why Christians are not go to beaches, water parks, rivers. Sometimes I'm, I'm amazed that w- women, and I'm not trying to offend you ladies, but sometimes you need to wake up a little bit. Oh, you, you take your teenage boys to a water park. Take your husband to a water park. The bunch of half-naked girls running around. Well, my husband doesn't struggle with that. Oh, okay, then you've got other problems. That, that's an even bigger... If, he don't, if your teenage boy doesn't struggle with that, that's a bigger problem. And look, you say, what, 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 do you, what do you call that? You call that not making provision for... Pastor, yeah, well, my kids are going to grow up never uh, seeing the beach. We just took our kids to the beach in January. <laughs> we, we just took our kids to the... Our, our boys to the beach. We took our... our uh, uh, went on a little trip to Santa Cruz, took our family to the beach, when it's cold. Uh, look, you say, well, yeah, that's not your I'm not, look, it's none of my business. You do what you want, but I'm just telling you here. The Bible says that you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not make provision for the flesh. Amen. And if you want to help your boys, if you want to help your husband, if you want to help your, uh, the men around you in your life, you're going to, number one, help them guard against the exposure. But you know what? At the end of the day, men, the responsibility lies on you. And it's your heart and it's your eyes. And you need to make sure that you make a commitment to be faithful to your wife. 
And that means that if you have to develop a habit, that means that if you have to quote to yourself, I made a covenant with mine eyes, why then should I think upon a man? If you need to memorize these verses and quote them to yourself, do what you need to do, but you need to learn to guard against the lustful images of the world today, otherwise it will consume you and it will destroy you. Like any other sin, it will keep you longer than you intended to stay. It will cost you more than you are willing to pay. Go to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. We're talking about some principles for media and entertainment. So what do we need to do? Well, number one, we must guard against lustful images. But let me give you a second, a second thing to guard against. Not only must we guard against lustful images, but we must guard against wrongful influences. You ever heard it called programming? Oh, they, they're providing this certain programming on television. You know why they call it that? Because they're trying to program you. The media is trying to influence you, and anything the world puts out is trying to influence you in the wrong way. Notice what the Bible says here about Lot. Lot Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10. Notice what, the, notice what Lot did with his eyes. And Lot lifted up his what? Eyes. And beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent. Why don't you notice what the Bible says? Because in verse 10 it says that Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. Then in verse 12 the Bible says, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent. Notice, everything in the Bible is for a reason. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. What does that mean? That means that he actually positioned his house, his tent where he lived. He positioned it so that he would be facing Sodom, so that he would be watching Sodom, so that he would be bringing into his eyes the sights and the sounds of Sodom. He lived his life in a way where he was constantly being exposed to the media and the exposure of Sodom. Well, look, when you pitch your tent towards Sodom, it won't be long before you're living in Sodom. In Genesis 13, he pitches his tent towards Sodom. Notice what happens, what the Bible says in Genesis 14. Just flip one, one chapter over. Genesis 14. In Genesis 14, we have about one of the first wars in Scripture. I think it might be the first war in Scripture. And Sodom loses. Sodom is taken captive. Abraham has to come and rescue Lot. But I want you to notice what the Bible says in Genesis 14, 11. It says, and they, it's talking about the, gr- the group of the kings that attacked Sodom, took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way, verse 12, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son. Why did they take Lot? Notice, who dwelt in Sodom. And his goods and departed. You say, well, wait a minute. In chapter 13, he was dwelling in the plains of the cities of the plains, and he was just pitching his tent towards Sodom. But in verse 14, he's dwelling in Sodom. Why? Because when you pitch your tent towards Sodom, it won't be long before you're living in Sodom. Here's all I'm telling you. If you're sitting there and watching the entertainment of the world, hour after hour, day after day, it won't be long before you're living like the world. When you allow your eyes to bring in the wrong influences and the worldly influences of the world, it's not going to be long before you start living like the world. Go, go back to 2 Peter chapter 2. We were just there when we saw the verse about eyes full of adultery. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 7. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. Notice what the Bible says about Lot. While you turn there, let me read to you from Lamentations 3.51. You have to turn there. You go to 2 Peter. But in Lamentations 3.51, the Bible says this, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. 
Look, what you allow in through your eyes will affect your heart. What you allow in through your eyes will affect your heart. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 says this, And delivered just Lot. And notice, it says, And delivered just Lot. That word just, there, the, it, it means justified, meaning Lot was saved. He was a believer. It's not that he was the only one. It, it was just Lot. No, he was just. He was justified and delivered just Lot. But notice what that just Lot did. He vexed. The word vexed means to trouble, to plague. He va- he was, it says, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, notice, in seeing and hearing. See, Lot had a television, a television. He pitched his tent toward, uh, you know, Sodom. And he was seeing and hearing, notice, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And when you allow the world to just feed into your home through a television or through the internet, through the computer, when you're just watching whatever on YouTube, when you're just watching whatever on Facebook, when you're just looking at whatever on the internet, when you're bringing in the world and the world and the world, look, you are going to vex your righteous soul. And in chapter 13, you might be pitching your tent towards Sodom, but it won't be long before you're living in Sodom and living like Sodom and living like the world. Say, why, why do Christians live like the world? Because they watch the world. Because they listen to the world. Because they vex their righteous soul with the world, seeing and hearing, uh, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Go to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter 6. And you know, we, we, we beat up on the guys a little bit, and we need to beat up on the guys. Guys, protect your eyes. Guard your eyes. But you know, ladies, this is, this is where sometimes ladies struggle. I, I've noticed that a lot of wives struggle with discontentment. And discontentment is a result of dissatisfaction. And dissatisfaction is a result of comparing. And listen, ladies, if it bothers you, what you're driving versus what the other ladies in church are driving, then you need to, when you come into this, this parking lot, you need to just close your eyes. If every time you go to somebody's house and somebody invites you over, it, it brings a three-week fight with your husband, well, you should have seen their kitchen. You should have seen their house and their backyard. And look, look, then you need to just stop going over people's houses. You, you need to stop reading the better homes and garden. Well, is there something sinful with better homes? I've never picked up a better home in the garden, but I'll tell you this. If it's causing you to compare and it's causing dissatisfaction and it's causing discontentment, it's something sinful for you. Because when we allow the influence of the world to come into our lives, we vex our righteous soul by an eye effective on heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Notice what Jesus said. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, what does that mean? If your eye is only allowed to look at certain things, that's what it means. He, he, he says, the light, the, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness? Here's what he's saying. What you allow into your eyes will go into your heart. And for men, that might be pornography and lustful images, and that might be what they struggle with. But I've noticed that a lot of ladies struggle with discontentment. 
You're just not satisfied. And you're just not, you're, you're just, well, maybe you need to stop paying attention. Stop paying attention to what other ladies wear and what they drive and how they dress and where they live. Acts chapter 4 and verse 20. You're there in Matthew, you go Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I'd like you to see this verse, Acts chapter 4. Here's the point. The things you watch and listen to will affect your heart and your soul. The things you watch and you listen to will affect your heart and your soul. And when you're watching just the things of this world, the entertainment of this world, the commercial of this world, the fads of this world, the, your, your, your ladies, you're just going to the mall. You got no money. You're going to the mall. Well, I, I'm just going to do some window shopping. Why? So you can sit there and just be discontent? So you can just sit there and compare and be discontent with the things you don't have? Listen to me. Living a life that is constantly trying to compare is like listening a life. You're, you're, you're chasing a ghost. You're, you're, you're chasing something that you're never going to catch up to. You know why? Because someone will always have a nicer car and a, and, and a nicer husband. And, and, and they'll live in a nicer house. And look, and we're not immune. Look, all of us struggle and deal with this. No, no matter how, how high up you go on the corporate ladder, guy, there's always going to be somebody higher than you. When you're living your life just being driven by what you allow into your eyes and into your ears, allowing yourself to be influenced by the world, here's what the Bible says, it says Acts chapter 4, verse 20 says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And look, the things that you speak about, that tells us what's going into your eyes and into your ears. You're talking about cars and... And, and vacations, and, and property, and this and that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. You should go on vacations, you should get cars, you should get property. All that is good. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with money. Just make sure you don't fall in love with it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Go to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. Not only must we guard against lustful images, but we must guard against wrong influences. We must guard against wrong influences. We must not allow... the wrong influences into our lives. Psalm 101 and verse 1 says this, a Psalm of David. We read the first part of this verse, but let's read the whole, the whole thing. It's only eight verses. Notice what it says. I will sing of the mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. That's a disciplined life. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I won't just be allowed to be driven by the lust and desires of my heart. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will, notice, don't miss this, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Are there things in your house that are not allowing you to walk with a perfect heart? Maybe it's that television. Maybe it's that computer. Maybe it's those magazines. Maybe it's those DVDs. He said, I will walk with, within my house with a perfect heart. Verse 13, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. But don't, don't miss this. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Look, be, be careful about falling into the trap of media that wants you to follow and idolize all of these wicked Hollywood celebrities these wicked sports stars, these wicked... Look, you, you say, oh, you know, you want to talk about all the sports stars. You know, I hate the work of them that turn aside. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And unless, you, unless you're a sports star, some independent fundamental Baptist that loves the Lord is walking in the Spirit. But let me tell you something. 
if, if he was some independent Federal Baptist that loved the Lord, loves the King James Bible, is walking in the Spirit, you know what he'd be doing on Saturday? He wouldn't be playing ball on Saturday. He'd be out winning souls on Saturday. Amen. Wouldn't be out playing a little boys game on Sunday. He'd be in church on Sunday. Amen. He said, I will not know a wicked person. You don't notice it before. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Look, we're not supposed to be idolizing and just following every move of every celebrity. Did you hear what that celebrity did? And they got a divorce and now they're married for the 13th time. Look, the psalmist said, I don't know a wicked person. Verse 5, who so privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart. And look, every celebrity in this world is described in that verse. A proud look, a high look, a proud heart. Will not I suffer? He said, I'm not going to allow it. Mine eyes, look at this, verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids growing up idolizing Michael Jordan or whoever the news, you know, that shows you what I know about sports. Is Michael Jordan even alive? I don't know. I don't want them idolizing the sports stars of this world. You know, I, I want them growing up having heroes like Curtis Hudson. I want them growing up having heroes like Jack Howe. I want them growing up having heroes like, I want them to come to the Red Hot Preaching Conference. And you say, well, what's one of the reasons that we have the Red Hot Preaching Conference? You know, we bring in these men that are doing great things for God. Why? So our boys and our girls have someone to look up to. Hey, let them make a hero of Pastor Anderson. Let them make a hero of Pastor McMurtry. Let them make a hero of Evangelist Matthew Stuckey. Let them make a hero of evangelist Bruce Mahir. Let, let's, let's our kids look at someone like Brother Stuckey and say, hey, there's someone you should look up to, a man that is not covetous, that's not giving his life for, for money and things and possessions, that's willing to go live a sacrificial life for others. Hey, let them make a hero of that. Not of these sports stars, a bunch of drug, alcohol, addicted, pornography, addicted, adulterers. Why would you want them to celebrate that? Why would you want them to know that? He says, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. That they may dwell with them. That he may walk in a perfect way and he shall serve me. Look, I get it. I get it. You, you know, well, yeah, all these pastors, you know, look, they're all humans. I get that. They're all sinners. But you know, it'll be a cold day in hell before I allow my kids to, 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 to overhear myself and, their, and my wife, their mother, criticizing some other man of God. It'll be a cold day in hell before you you say, well, do you agree with everything all these men do? You know what? I I may not agree with everything they do, but I'm going to make sure my kids are having their eyes upon the faithful of the land. I'm going to make sure that they at least least look at the guys that are on our side and say, hey, look, son, this is someone you should look up to. This is how you ought to live your life. Forget the world. When I shall be upon the faithful land. Verse 7. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies, your, your tell-a-lie vision, shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So we're talking about being peculiar in our media and entertainment. What must we do? Well, number one, we must guard against lustful images. Number two, we must guard against wrongful influences. Let me give you one last one. We'll do this fast. Number three, we must guard against dangerous idleness. We must guard against dangerous idleness. And here's the truth of the matter. Entertainment can be a huge waste of time. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Let me give you some statistics. According to the Nielsen Media Research, the average American watches about four hours of TV each day. 
28 hours a week. Two months of non-stop TV watching per year. Imagine what you could have done with an additional two months a year. In a 65-year life, that person will have spent nine years glued to the TV. Here's another article. It says, while the U.S. did not lead global markets in terms of amount of time spent on social media networks, it was far and away the highest consumer of monthly data, spending most uh, most time per day on their phones with a staggering 4.7 hours. Considering that the average American is awake for just over 15 hours a day, seeing as we sleep for an average of 8 hours and 42 minutes, this means that we spend approximately a third of our time on our phones. Sure, using your smartphone isn't mutually exclusive with completing uh, completing other activities, but still 4.7 hours is a significant chunk of the day, according to this this article. Are you there in Ephesians? Look at chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. The Bible says, see then that ye walk circumspectly. The word circumspect means to walk cautiously. It means to be well thought out. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Here's what wise people do. See, fools, they, they walk, they, they, they don't walk carefully. They don't guard their time carefully. Verse 16, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Redeeming means we, we see value in time. And look, entertainment can be a huge waste of time. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Please do not misunderstand me. Entertainment can have a place in life. I think it's fine to have fun every once in a while. And I think it's even, it's even better if you can, uh, uh, you know, be, be, be spending time with friends and loved ones. You know, y- yesterday, we were, there's a few of us together, we were talking about the fact that something my, my family... Um, we'll, we'll do from time to time, we, you know, it's Thanksgiving or whatever, and we're getting together, you know, we'll, we'll play board games. We'll play the, these little games. And some of these games, you know, they'll take like seven hours. You know? You say, well, you wasted seven hours. You, know, you didn't waste seven hours. You're spending seven hours with your family. Amen. You know what? When it comes to work, quality is better than quantity. Please listen to me, especially you guys. When it comes to work, quality is better than quantity. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are a better worker because it took you longer. If you can do the same amount of quality in a less amount of time, even better. But don't transfer that mentality to your wife or to your kids. Because, you know, when it comes to your family, quantity is better than quality. You say, oh, I just spent a couple of hours sitting there on the couch with my wife, and she was just talking about this and talking about that, and I wanted to go get to work. No, you know what? You couldn't have spent those two hours better. You couldn't have invested those two hours better. You couldn't have invested those two hours better than spending that time playing with your kids, spending time with your kids, spending time with your loved ones. There's nothing, look, entertainment's great. Entertainment's fine. Look, play, play Monopoly for three weeks or however long it takes. You know, play whatever you're, you know, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that, but make sure you're not wasting your time. But you see, there's a difference between I spent I spent three hours, you know, playing this game with my kids. Then I spent three hours in there on Facebook, like this, like that. Don't like this, like that. No, you know what? You wasted your time, and you're wasting your life. Because when it comes to media and entertainment, we need to walk circumspectly. 
not as fools, but as wise. Why? Because your time is valuable. Your time is limited. And there is, there, there is a guard. There's a guard against danger. You know, there, there's a danger of idleness. We, we have to guard against lustful images. We have to guard against wrong influences. And we must guard against dangerous idleness. Make sure you don't allow the world. And this is, this is one of the problems with Facebook. Look, one of the problems with Facebook is just it's a huge... I mean, there's lots of problems with Facebook. That's a sermon for another day. You know, there's lots of problems. One of the, let me tell you, one of the major problems with Facebook is all the lustful images on Facebook. But you know, another problem with Facebook is you're just wasting a, lot, a whole lot of time. Just doing a whole lot of nothing. Wasting your life away. Wasting your children's childhood away. You must guard against dangerous idleness. Let's bow our heads and have one prayer. Heavenly Father... Thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> Thank you for the Bible. And, Lord, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to, uh, to just wake up. Lord, to, to realize that <clears throat> we have one life to live. I, I don't want to live my life hurting my marriage, hurting my children, allowing the world to have its way with how I think and how I'm influenced. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to embrace media and entertainment when it's valuable and when it's clean and wholesome, when it's good, when, when, when churches make good documentaries that are clean and they're fun. Lord, help us to enjoy those things and to, to realize that there's a balance there in life and we need to relax and we need to, to, to take time to enjoy things and there's nothing wrong with that. But Lord, help us to learn to be peculiar in our entertainment. Help us, Lord, to be peculiar